here with Jay Warner Wallace and Sean McDowell. Maybe you recognize that last name. Sean, your famous father, Josh, has been somebody we have followed and loved and supported over the many years. And um, it's just a joy to be here. And uh, you guys have co-authored a new book. So, uh, Jim, Jay Warner Wallace, Jim, tell us about that. Well, we, we knew, Sean called me probably, what, three or four years ago and, and said, hey, he's got an idea. We've been teaching in an apologetics program in Biola. And, and Sean's a professor there. I get to be an adjunct on occasion. And we've noticed that, that young people are our target audience oft, often because these are the, this is the generation that's probably the most um, tepid in their connection to the Christian faith. They're, they're, this generation is walking away in relatively large numbers. I don't want to get alarmist about that, but we have seen these numbers pretty consistently. And Sean said, hey, we need to help leaders, parents, Christian educators, youth pastors know how to pass on the, the the truth nature of Christian of Christianity, not just what they believe and what they've experienced in church, but why is this true and why is this worldview the only accurate view of reality? And so we needed a how-to book. We've both written books that are what books that kind of give you the content of the Christian worldview. But people always ask us. Well, how do you teach that, though? How do you tangibly teach this to the next generation? So that since that's a large part of our audience, both of us uh, individually, I said, yeah, it's a great project, and we've been working on it now for about a year and a half, and we think we've assembled a, a good collection of strategies and principles that will help parents, help youth pastors, help Christian educators pass on the Christian worldview to the next generation. Now, Jim, what's the name of that book? It's called So the Next Generation Will Know. Okay, So the Next Generation Will Know. Sean... Um, that's clearly a burden of yours. Uh, where'd that come from? Well, uh, one of the hugest influence you mentioned, my father. You mentioned the name McDowell. I'm sure a lot of your audience will recognize Josh McDowell. My dad, for half a century, has been writing books and speaking and reaching the next generation. I firsthand seen his passion. And I've always worked with young people as a teacher, as a speaker, seen the world that they're growing up in. And really, if you want to understand this new generation called Generation Z, just look at how the phone changes everything, how they understand the world, how they relate to each other, what they think about authority, every component of it. They're really, truly a digitally native generation. So part of this book was like, I just want to do a ton of research and figure out how to do this better as a parent. Because I kind of thought if I feel inadequate at times and I've got an amazing dad and I've had all this training, I can only imagine a ton of parents and grandparents, people looking at this generation, also feel a sense of like, I really don't know how to relate to this generation. So that was my passion that really hit home. And Jim and I coming together, kind of two different generations, but at stages in our life, but a heart for this generation. I think it was a really, a really special blend, and I'm thrilled with what, what we've come up with. Now, is the book out right now? It, uh, it launches on May 1st, and so what we've tried to do is, is to provide a, a context for that. Uh, so we, on our, we've got an offer that we're trying to offer people from April to May that will provide them with a lot of other resources, PowerPoint from Sean, videos that we've produced. So there's a way to kind of go on both of our websites. Sean's website is seanmcdowell.com. Org.org. I'm at coldcasechristianity.com, and either one of those locations will help you uh, tap into the resources we're trying to offer. Look, a lot of us for years, Sean and I included, have been pr producing free resources. Look, we have to help people, and, and for the most part, people need answers quickly, and we've been offering those free resources on our website, and we're going to continue to do that. But the question then becomes, well, how do I use that video? How do I take the content of this article, and what is the strategy that's particular for Gen Z Given the nature of Gen Z, that's always the question. 
And that's what we've tried to do in, in really eight concise chapters to help you understand who this generation is and then how to teach them the particulars of Christian worldview. So we have a daughter with six children. The oldest is 10 years old. Wow. They want this book, okay? <laughs> they want to have this book. But she is really busy. She is a soccer mom. She's a homeschool mom. Uh, these are the folks we're talking to. How can they use this resource? Well, when we sat down, Jim and I, because we write and we research, we felt like we could write a 400-page book and add all this information. But within our first conversation, the first few moments was like, if we're busy, moms are busy, dads are busy, grandparents are easy, are busy. So it's eight chapters, short chapters. It's a thin, quick book. So behind everything we say is a ton of research, a ton of experience, but we don't waste any time. It's a quick, easy read. In fact, I was talking yesterday with a friend who helped us edit it, and he said, you know what? I think I went through it in like two and a half hours and offered my thoughts. So you don't have to carve out and feel like this is going to take me 12, 15 hours a month to get through it. You can get through an afternoon. You read a chapter a day, you're done in a week, and you have practical things to put into your life that day. In fact, the last chapter we say, we've given you a lot of practical things. Don't feel overwhelmed. Just take one or two things that work with your kids, with your grandkids, with the kids in your classroom. And if you just start one at a time, you are making a difference. Yeah, a lot of this too, if you think about it, we try to, in each chapter, to specifically address the group that might use the content. So we've got a small breakout for just parents, a small breakout for youth pastors, a small breakout for Christian educators. Those are the three groups that I think will be touching the, 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 the mental content that they want to transfer to the next generation. Those are the ones who I think have a desire to see the next generation grow in their faith. Well, we want to give you, look, we're talking about 50 words. We've got a strategy that we think you can embrace in 50 words in those small call-out sections because we realize we get it. What you don't need is another thing that's going to demand hundreds of hours to process. We understand everyone's schedule. We understand how, how hard it is to add this to your life. So we think we've given you small bite-sized strategies that will actually change the way you parent, the way you teach kids, the way you're pastoring kids tomorrow. That's the goal. Sean, you're um, teaching at Talbot Seminary, is that right? That's right, yeah. And one of the items you guys linked to in an article was about the young people who are not attending church or who have attended and have dropped out of church once they went to college or once the life changes started happening. Why do you think is this generation the one that has just decided church isn't for them? I think every generation, at least in recent American history, when they go to college, disengage the church for a season, and then when they have kids, start asking, am I going to come back? This is kind of a pattern when kids explore themselves that's not really new with this generation. But I think what's new with this generation is there's more challenges at their fingertips and more worldviews and more ideas that are challenging the basis of the Christian narrative than in the past. So they're wondering, is this true? Is this even worth my time? And there's also the narrative that's kind of grown in our culture that it used to be Christianity's false. Now it's like Christianity's bad and it's bigoted and it's harmful and it's exclusive. So a lot of people are questioning, is that worth kind of <laughs> my life if I'm going to be considered as a bigot and actually cost me something? And then third, the life, big life decisions that previous generations would get, have, like getting a job, 
or getting married or moving out of your home or having kids that would drive somebody back to the church. With this generation, it's getting pushed back more and more and further. So you're just seeing this disconnect that is there. Now, a lot of them will come back to the church. They're not all becoming atheists because they disengage the church. But I think there's genuine questions people are asking, saying, wait a minute, have we been as attentive as we need to be? Have we built the relationships we need to build? Have we helped them in a way that in previous generations could be taken for granted? We want to make sure people don't take that for granted. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think what we're seeing too is this is the digital age of information and that has changed everything, yeah. right? Because what it's done is it's allowed you to have so many choices. If you think about it, I think we just celebrated the 30th anniversary of the internet like this week. <laughs> and, and so we are really at a point where if you go back 30, you know, 30 years in one month, your ability to hear all the voices that are now in the heads of young people, it wasn't there. I mean, you might hear those other perspectives the first year you're in college, but now you're able to hear those other perspectives at the age of 10, yeah, right? If, right? Or if you if you just borrow your parents' cell phone for 20 minutes, you could be exposed to the entire world of worldviews. Yeah. So I think this is the challenge that we're under. And when you have that many choices, think about it. When you only have one choice at a restaurant, there's no stress. You're going to go in and order that <laughs> one thing. But when you walk into a restaurant and there's 100 choices, it's like it takes you a half an hour to decide, right? And right. it's stressful. <laughs> the more choices you have, don't be surprised that this generation is more stressed out, is more anxious than ever. Why is that happening? Because we are in an internet age, an information age, in which the choices are abundant. Not just choices of, of what you could eat, but choices of what spiritual worldview you might want to adopt. I think we're, it's a little more difficult to communicate an exclusive meta-narrative in an age of subjective micro-narratives. Let's face it, if I want, I can barricade all other views out of my life and only go to the news agencies that support my worldview, only go to the media content that supports my worldview. I can ignore and have a little micro-narrative of my little version of reality. This is what's possible now in the information age. Yet you want us to embrace a meta-narrative? It's good luck. This is a bigger <laughs> challenge than it's ever been before. And those are the kinds of things that we're trying to address in a book like this. Well, everything that I don't agree with is fake, right? It's called That's <laughs> right. If I don't agree, it's fake news, right? <laughs> yeah. our, our parents today are so busy. Um, it's as if the idea of worldview kind of slides under the radar because we're talking about schoolwork at, at the dinner table. Yep. Um, how do we communicate that to them? What, what, do you, what can you say to parents? Well, we have a chapter specifically on what is a worldview, why is it important, and how do you actually teach this? And one of the things I say to parents is you are giving your kids a worldview. It's not like there's an option if you give it to them. You are giving them a worldview. Just like C.S. Lewis said, the question is not are you an apologist? The question is how good of an apologist are you? So we're not asking parents to completely turn upside down everything that they're doing. We're saying here's some language and here's some tools that'll be practical. So we talk about when you're at the dinner table, how do you foster worldview conversations? Well, look for something that's going on in the news. And yes, talk about homework, you gotta get through that, but ask your kids a question. I mean, just this week, there was a huge story in, in, in the news about fake news. And I just said to my kids, I said, hey, this happened. What do you guys think? And we talked about it four or five minutes and we're on to the next thing, but I'm just using the opportunities I have to get him to think. So I don't want people to feel intimidated by this book and feel like I've got to learn what this new word means and do 57 new different strategies. It's small tweaks here and there can make a substantial difference 
in passing on the faith to this generation. That's such an important point. When he says the word tweak, we're not asking to add another thing to your pile of things. We're yeah. asking you to take a look at your pile of things and say, which one of these can we change slightly to make you more effective? We don't. Yeah. I, I get it. The, the, the notion that you're adding a whole other set of ideas that I have to add to whatever conversation yeah. I'm having, that seems very intimidating. And it will never happen if that's the case. So it's not really a matter of adding it's really a matter of reprioritizing some things and tweaking them. When we say tweak them, we say, hey, it already exists. This conversation is already happening between you and your kids. Now the question is, can you tweak it in a way so the same number of words Perfect. are being spoken, the same amount of time is being used, but we get a better uh, outcome in terms of worldview understanding. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, one more time. Uh, the website, Sean? SeanMcDowell.org. Are we going to find resources about the book? there on the website? You will find a link to the book on the website. In fact, a quick way to find it, if you go to my Twitter page, just type in, I think it's Sean underscore McDowell, but Sean McDowell Apologetics, right at the top I've pinned a tweet that has a link to get the book and all the free resources. So just go to Sean McDowell Twitter feed, look at the top, it's pinned there, and you can link to all the free resources that come from just getting the book pre-ordered. Yeah. And I did the same thing at coldcasechristianity.com. So what I've tried to do, there's a section there on youth in the writing section, the podcast section, and the video section all have a videos, podcasts, and, and PDF files on youth and on uh, parenting. Those two sections, there's a link to the book in all of those articles, all of those videos, all of those podcasts. So what we're trying to do, look, and by the way, we're creating, this is all free content. Because in the end, we want parents not just to see yeah. this as the end. You don't buy this book and it all ends. No, you buy this book and it starts you rethinking the way you've been parenting and communicating to your kids. Journey, and right. then you need materials. Well, that's what we want to provide you, the what, the content. This book is a how-to book, but you still need to know what is true, and that's what we're trying to provide at our websites. Guys, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us yeah, on, thanks for, thanks for having I appreciate it.